0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to welcome in Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Dylan, good morning.
1: Good morning, folks. Happy Tuesday.
0: Dylan, I'm curious. BYU's look so good. But you're a (laughs) Colley. You analyze everything in <laughs> fascinating detail, and you speak your mind. If I dared you to say something negative, yet realistic, about the Cougars, something you've seen that you know, these, these, past, these first three teams haven't been good enough to exploit, but maybe a better team, maybe Boise State, whoever, Houston, San Diego State, whoever, maybe this is an area where BYU could be challenged. It, it's, it's lightweight negativity, but in the face of constant positivity, could you provide me something?
1: Uh, yeah,
0: absolutely. What do you got?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I honestly, right. It would obviously, uh, I think this year is probably the most viable to see them win out. Right. And they should do it week in and week out. Uh, they should cover the spread every single week. Um, but you do look at what has happened in the past, right. And there's always, that vulnerability to lose one or two games that should be won. And so it's going to be interesting to see how, right, uh, kind of when you get against Boise in Albertson Stadium, no matter how many games they haven't played, right, uh, you're looking at fresh legs in Albertson Stadium, right, those – types of games are where I get worried and we're going to kind of see a true test of what, what BYU has to offer. Um, but you know, if we talk about the shoulds, they should win, right? The rest of the games this season, and shouldn't be a problem, but that, that would be the one thing is how are you going to be able to mentally continue to keep going at 110% and not let kind of the smoke, uh, the smoke and mirrors that you see from the media, right? Uh, really can't let that get in the way. And so that's what BYU is vulnerable to. It's always been that way. And now it's just a matter of kind of staying consistent.
2: Yeah, I think you just hit on it, Dylan, when you said the mental edge going forward here. I actually want to see this team get meaner, get nastier, get the type of attitude of us against the world, and we've got something here, and maybe start thinking about, even if you got to play mental games with yourselves, like in, hey, because the publicity is just growing leaps and bounds here. It's, it's getting out. I'm listening to national shows. I go to the gym. I've got them on. They're, they're just getting all sorts of love. And so now you need some guys on this team to really step forward and say, hey, basically, guys, we have an accomplished bull. Bo- and we need to get tougher more mentally, all that stuff. You think that that's the way they need to approach this going forward?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's there's two ways to go about it. There's that way, right, that says, hey, kind of like we talked about last week, right, with Coach Mateos kind of coining the the poison term. Um, You can go about it that way, which can sometimes be a deficit to teams simply because it is like, oh, well, maybe we really aren't that good. Or you can go about it in the complete opposite way that says, hey, yes, we do have to get meaner, right? We need to understand that we can't just beat these teams, right? Any close game that BYU has this season, uh, you know, I believe most specifically up north will probably, we won't hear the end of it for about, you know, a week until there's another blowout. BYU has to beat these teams because they should, right, by two, three, four possessions. And that kind of needs to be the mindset. It's not, hey, how are we beating these teams? It's now looking inside and saying, okay, we can't beat ourselves, um, and we can't allow any of these games to get away from us to where it's even close.
0: See, I think that's a – it's true, but it's also dangerous because – you can't go out and score 3 touchdowns on one play. You know, you got to do your job. Right. You got to win that snap, then you got to win the next snap, and if you keep doing that, then over the course of 50, 60, 70 plays, you look up at the scoreboard, you know, and in the middle of the third quarter, you're crushing somebody. I've always wondered and as I got older and you know, it not only do you stop playing team sports at some point, junior high, high school, college, pro, whatever. Uh, at some point you don't even want to play pickup sports because you're like, oh, I've seen people snap their Achilles. I don't need that to be me, right? i gotta modify, I got to modify what I'm doing. And so you're old enough now, you're somewhere in that sequence, right? You're, you're beyond high school and college. When you're in the middle of it, you think, ah, this could last forever. This is awesome. And then it's over. Do you think guys can think, hey, i got so many games, i got so many plays left, I'm going to be awesome on this play? I'm going to be great on the next play because the clock is ticking and you just don't get to do this for very long. It may not seem like it when you're 18, 20, 22, but it's true. Yeah.
1: No, I, I 100%. And I think that's where you see the guys that are probably most successful. Um, and the guys that truly do love the sport and love who they're playing for. And that's, Kind of where it becomes important on how good teams can be is simply how are you treating each and every play right like how are you treating each and every practice um and and that is truly like the mental mindset that you need to have to be able to go as you know as far as playing in college as far as playing at the next level um simply because it gives you this edge in understanding that you're able to cycle through each and every play. If you can cycle through, you know, if you look at the average offensive of plays, whatever, it's like 30, game, 30 plays a game at least, right, if you can take each one of those plays one play at a time, right, you're now going to have a much better understanding than someone who's just out there playing the play. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, yeah I got you. So picture a scenario, say, 10 years from now. When Zach Wilson is ripping it in the NBA, or the NBA, the NFL, are you going to be sitting on your back porch with your feet up, sipping your favorite beverage, say, yep, I called it back when he was just a little squirrely freshman. Nobody believed it, but look at him now. Uh, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's,
1: it's the same thing that I do, the, you know, that, I, that I've done with Jamal Williams in the sense that, you know, and Tanner Magum and I have talked about this many times is when me and Jamal came into BYU together, uh, the three of us had a really, you know, strong conversation because obviously it was very different for uh, Jamal had a lot of options and he decided to come to BYU and we worked really hard to get him to come to BYU. And um, there was no doubt in my mind that he was going to be the best running back ever to play at BYU. And so, you know, there are certain things that you can see, and you can go back to the talent level that Zach's playing against. I mean, are these defenses that great now? They're not. They're not very good at all. But you look at the balls that he's throwing, the placement, right? The amount of touch that he's putting on these things. It doesn't matter what defense you're going against. The throws that he's making and putting on, you know, and putting on his receivers is undeniably next level talent. Um, And he's doing this where he hasn't even been able to play a complete season, right? Like he played nine games his freshman year in an offense that was not established, right? There was no offense. (laughs) Uh, He played nine games his sophomore year where he was hurt uh, and just coming off of a shoulder surgery. And now he actually has the ability, you know, where he's on track to play the entire season, to play every single game and, each and every week you're going to see him get more and more comfortable. I know that might be hard to believe, but there is going to see, you're going to see a continued confidence um, and you're going to see him continue to play, you know, consistent in the way that he has. And this isn't new to him. This is something he did in high school, right? It was like, as soon as he caught the edge in high school, that's when you start to see, you know, guys who are capable of playing at the highest level, right? You start to see that understanding take place throughout each and every season. And that's what you're, you know, that's what you're going to see with Zach.
0: So then if I have one complaint, it would be, if you're going to be an NFL quarterback, start playing like one. I know you're an athlete and you can run for three touchdowns, but you don't need to get hit. It's not best for you. It's not best for the team. Start thinking like Tom Brady, three steps, plant the foot, ball is out. Do you think we'll see more of that? Or he's, he ran for three touchdowns. It is a good weapon. And he can do it. He had eight carries for 43 yards. He's a good weapon, and he's going to keep doing it, and he's going to risk taking hits.
3: Yeah,
1: which is not a good idea. Right, and that's that's a conversation. Just as much as you have to tell the defensive end, right, to not hit the quarterback during practice, there will always be the conversation of you need to get down and fight. Right, like those are two just frequent conversations you're going to hear in Every single film you're going to hear in every single meeting, no matter what the situation is, you don't touch the quarterback in practice, and quarterbacks need to be sliding every single play. And I think as the season progresses, and as these defenses really don't get much better, right, uh, I think that's going to be a challenge that, you know, whether it be A-Rod or Grimes kind of put on Zach is, you know, how willing are you to push that extra second in the pocket? Right? How willing are you to slide every single time uh, a guy converges on you? Even if it doesn't get you the first down, right? Let's over-exaggerate and work on having that next-level mindset. And, you know, so uh, that that's going to be a challenge for him, but it's something that he needs, he needs to do.
2: How is it as a BYU football player, and you go back because of your brothers and even beyond that with your dad, um, to be able to avoid all the stuff that's being said and not get caught up, whether it's bad or good. And right now, obviously, it's good. How hard is that?
1: Obviously, today it's a lot harder just because of the, right, the, the world of social media. And it's very, very difficult to not look at the good and the bad. Um, it's just a matter of how you choose to kind of, you know, Uh, How long you you spend on that picture of yourself, or how long you spend on that person, right? Absolutely degrading you at every level. (laughs) Um, You know you need to be able. It's the same thing. It's you need to be able to have a one play mindset, right? And so you can take in all the good, you can take in all the bad, but you know how do you deposit it, and how do you, uh, how does it affect your play? It, It shouldn't be very difficult, but I think that also comes with a greater understanding that you know people's opinions really don't matter. Um, and you can only control what you control, and that's just another facet of the mental side of the game that is so important. And I think a lot of the time you do see people affected by that, and that's kind of the difference between what a good football player and what a great football player is.
0: So do players, I think traditionally players didn't get that much coverage in high school and now there's a lot of this in college and it plays with their mind, but in the social media era, do you think that's leveled out a bit and actually – these guys, even in high school, saw a ton of stuff on social media about themselves, and so they're kind of used to it, and it's not as big a jump as it was maybe 10 or 20 years ago?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Right? I think the, the social media coverage that happens on high school football, the amount of effort that's put into um, people, right, like the recruiting on social media is – Good in a lot of ways because it gives people chances, but it also creates this level of entitlement when people come into their freshman years, right, mm-hmm. uh, with this expectation that 247 Sports did a piece on me for my local high school, so now I deserve to start at Alabama, right? <laughs> uh, so uh, to me it's a huge problem in and, and the way that people enter the – the college level with the attitude of what they've already accomplished playing against right uh, the small school that is about 30 minutes away from your high school. <laughs> like uh, So I think, you know, you look at someone like Zach who had a lot of attention um, but came in and was willing to be humble and work, and the same thing goes for Gunner. I mean, you look at guys who came in with a lot of attention in high school and were very successful, And luckily, they still had the humility to be able to understand that they were going to have to work for what they needed. Um, And, you know, uh, they were able to channel that in a pretty, pretty positive way. But I've also seen it the complete opposite, where it's just absolutely demoralized people.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's no question about that. Kids can get swallowed up in that. We saw it clearly with Jake Heaps, and you bring up Bromney, and, you know, I grew up in Arizona. I'm familiar with that, and so I knew of the kid uh, down there, and I knew the high school that he played at, and it's like even myself, I'm thinking, all right, man, I knew the Devils wanted him bad, and so he comes here, and I'm thinking, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and then I'm starting to think, oh, man, is he just another overhyped kid? And you know you can't get you can't help but get caught up, and we're seeing it this year that he's having a breakout season and he's living up with that potential. How hard is it not to get swallowed up into that and not get discouraged because you were all that back then, you got all this love, and you expected to be all that right from the start. And obviously, in his case, it took a couple of years. I think he's fulfilling it now, but as I say, it took a while.
1: Right, and I think uh, being right. Uh, if there was one thing that I struggled with the most, it, it was the expectation. Um, and, you know, having it be just like we it, It's It's hard to have a conversation and not bring up my dad and my brothers, right? Sure. Um, and so is, uh, I know that Gunner coming in the, his freshman year, right, like there was that struggle. There is that kind of immediate come to reality that, what you thought, what you were told, um, all the promises that were made, you realize really quickly and, I, you know, love him to death, you realize really fast that Brandon Gurney does not have access to the depth chart, um, as unfortunate as it may be, right? Uh, so there's this level of, you know, expectation that you do have that people have set forth. And the last thing that you want to do is underachieve and not fulfill those expectations. And, you know, and so it's also hard because it we do live in this world where kids are getting so much attention in high school that people just think it's normal for a true freshman to come and be this, you know, uh, extraordinary contributor. Right. Right. Like when you look at true freshmen who contribute, <laughs> that's not that's not a normal thing. But because of social media. Because of the hype people get in high school now, it's like this expectation. And if you don't contribute in the way that everyone expects you to, to a division one team as a true freshman, like, uh, well, you're not the guy, right? Uh, and so I, I think we see that a lot, you know, uh, and that's the case pretty much everywhere, but we do see it a lot at BYU because of the culture, because of, right, the the relationships and it being, because of the church, it is kind of like a small world, right? And so yeah. everyone feels this extra connection and expectation for people. And um, it, it's a hard thing to fulfill, especially to be uh, a contributing true freshman.
0: So, best then if all the players just think about the next play and think, I have to block this guy, I have to, I'm responsible for this gap or this receiver. And if you just focus on that, that next play, okay but then you start thinking about all the other stuff and mistakes happen, you beat yourself (laughs) up and then you're just caught up in some vortex that you don't know how to negotiate
1: right and it is a lot easier to get through those types of mistakes especially when there's no fans in the stands.
0: Dylan as always we appreciate it, thanks for joining us we didn't use the word roadrunners once in there, I guess that says something (laughs) I mean it was a good conversation Thank you, Dylan. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, joining us here. And we will talk to him again next week after BYU plays the UTSA Roadrunners.
2: It just dawned on me that to be successful, and it hasn't really, what dawned on me, and I'm going to say it in a second, but you need to have a lot of dog in you, right? I mean, didn't that, what we heard uh uh, Dion, we need dogs, you know, over there at Jackson State. You got to have a lot of dog in you. And the collies, clearly, when they played, had a lot of dog in them. So don't, with that in mind, don't they have the most appropriate last name? See, it's perfect,
0: Collie. Look at you go. That's it. <laughs> so who knew PK was going to talk about Lassie this morning? I was waiting for the him most famous Collie
2: dog, Lassie. They've Second got dog in them. The awesome. Collies start to top to bottom. The dad, all the way down to Dylan. Every single one of them had dog in them, right? Well, natural. They're Collies.
0: That'd be awesome if we just heard players like literally barking during the game. You know, we're hearing everything on the field right now. Some cornerback, you could totally see some crazy cornerback doing it. I got some dog, I mean, just starts barking. Knows it's going to get picked up on the sideline. He's going to elevate himself, make himself a story. Defensive backs never do that.
2: You got dog in them. This is the finest work I've done so early in the week ever.
0: Yeah, we well, you're going to top it with Frank Dolce talking Utes next. Stay with us. <laughs>
2: Now let's get this party
3: started! This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network.
4: I know everybody is trying to question, how good are they? What kind of talent are they playing against? How good are they? I can't answer those things. I don't think anybody can really answer those things. The only thing you can do is do what Kalani said, and that is, you know, we'll play this week, and if we beat UTSA, then that's good, and then the week after that, if we beat that opponent, then that's good. The only thing I could do is continue to break these games down and say, all right, BYU's executing at a high level. And BYU is. I told you coming into this game against Louisiana Tech that I was more impressed by Troy and Navy. So I, I don't want to get caught into the mess of trying to figure out how good this team is. Just let their play continue yep. to speak. They have been executing very efficiently.
3: Hanson Scotting Weekdays from 10-2 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and twelve eighty. The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. Time to welcome in Frank Dolce, former Utah quarterback, broadcaster, Utah football expert, and a college football insider. Frank, good morning.
5: Hey, good morning, guys. I uh, hope you're doing well. We are We're doing, doing well. great.
2: Frankie D, how the hell are you,
5: <laughs> my guy? There he is, PK from the South Bay. Absolutely. Hey man, I don't, I don't, I don't, want to get this started off on the wrong note, but um, I, I just wanted to give you a heads up. Old Coach Featherstone's having a, having a rough time. Uh, you may have heard about it. There's a GoFundMe page out there right now. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to go take a look, but yeah, my my old El Camino, my favorite coach of all time, Johnny Featherstone, is struggling a little bit. But uh, man, what a what a great guy, what an influence he's been on. Hundreds and thousands of lives.
2: Yeah, he's a legend in the California uh, California JC ranks. That's for sure. Put many guys into D one and obviously even beyond.
5: Yeah, no question. Great, great, great man.
0: Frank Dolce made the move from the South Bay El Camino JC to the University of Utah. Is now settled here in this community. Frank, this is hands down. The most bizarro football season. Do you know less about the Utes at this point than you've ever known?
5: Yeah, well, yeah, probably at this point. I am guessing in the next couple of weeks we'll get we'll we'll get a whole, you know, we'll get all of this information kind of like a fire hose on us. But uh yeah, I mean it's just such a strange strange year for many uh reasons. You know the least of which to me is is college football, but but now that we're getting back to to having a little bit of competition and college football on TV and you know I, I feel like that's a really it's a really good step forward for everyone, for society and for the, the, for the community and and for people who who are struggling with this this craziness that we're dealing with on a daily basis.
2: So Kyle has his Zoom conference call last week, talks about the season, extending practice, getting underway this week and all that. And he keeps listing as a three-man race. And anytime you have a quarterback race, that's going to be the highlight of every single training camp, no matter what level, really. And he lists three guys. Do you buy it's a three-man race?
5: Well, I think that, that he's probably getting three guys reps, but – Two of those guys are probably getting, you know, ninety percent of the reps combined. So, um, and I, so I, I think it's it's there's probably some truth in the statement. It's a three man race, but in reality, it's it's a two man race with a with a third guy that's a little bit further behind. Very super talented, but not quite on the level of the other two guys.
0: So we can sit and go nuts over this, but when they run out there on the seventh, it's going to be Bentley, isn't it? you think? Yes. What do you think?
5: I don't know. I don't know. I I I was I was talking to the guys yesterday, and we were going back and forth. I gave the slight edge to Rising. I think that Bentley is um like they're 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 not necessarily distinct in their differences in their talents, although I would say that um, Bentley is a more accomplished passer and an adequate runner, and the opposite is probably true of Rising. He's, he's a more accomplished athletic runner and an adequate, maybe more than adequate, passer. So I think that Coach Ludwig could win with both of those guys, and um, and I, I guess it just depends on on what he's trying to get out of that that quarterback position based on the other talent that he has around. So I would say if he has a strong running game, which he he should, and he has um, you know a in super talented athletic receiving group, then maybe you go with Bentley. And if you have a strong running game and um, a marginally talented receiving group, then maybe you go with rising. So maybe the whole thing rests on how you evaluate the receiving group.
2: Yeah, that's interesting to see how the other guys around the quarterback would and could and most likely will – affect the decision on which quarterback you're going to play. And Ludwig seems to have a firm grasp of it. I thought last season was just phenomenal in his play calling. I thought that it was the best that they've had probably since they've been in the Pac-12 and, and, or maybe since Norm Chow because I thought with winning eight games or so, what they did with John Hayes was just walking on water type stuff. But one of the things that I saw from Andy last year, as he said the year before, is that we're always criticizing Tyler Huntley running too much, you know, keeping the ball. And I remember Andy in the spring ball, so it's the spring before Tyler's senior year. He's saying, well, plays that I'm going to call, Tyler won't have to worry about making a decision because I'll make the decision and he'll just do what I tell him to do and then we'll be fine. And so that's what happened, and Tyler has a massive senior season, obviously, right? And so I'm wondering if you have the same type of thing now with the offense. How much do you think that Andy, I don't want to say dumb down, but is going to take the pressure off the quarterback so the decisions basically will be made upstairs and you just got to follow through of what we're telling you to do?
5: Well, first of all, I don't think you and I could be more aligned on the on the thought about the offensive coordinator and specifically Norm Chow during his time. I thought that that run that he had with John Hayes making plays was unreal, and the ability to go down and win a bowl game in El Paso unbelievable so yeah, you and I are right on the same page on that and I feel like the, all of the experience that Andy Ludwig Gained and earned outside of his time at the University of Utah really gave him a different perspective on that, on that position, on the offensive coordinator position. And what he did last year was just, you know, maximize the talent that he had available. I think he, it was clearly the case with Tyler Huntley. And so I, I still think that, you know, that's why I say I think he'd be successful with either quarterback because I, Based on last year, I think that he's gained this ability to just tweak his offense to maximize the talent that he has on the field. So um, I, I feel comfortable with, with whatever decision that he makes that he's going to be able, that, that they're going to have success. Um, and, and certainly that, you know, lots of things go into that. I, and I failed to mention that, you know, what's happening up front in the offensive line and how critical they are to the, how the offense succeeds or doesn't succeed. But, but I think what, what Andy Ludwig showed us last year and his ability to take that group that, you know, at, at times it's fair to say they struggled in the previous two or three years. And, and when he took the reins, they, they became, you know, like a like this well-oiled machine averaging over 30 points a game. So I'm, I'm a big believer in Andy Ludwig.
0: So the O-line is supposed to be good. Kyle has said that. We see Keithy at tight end. Most of the receiver core is back, so there's a lot of positives there. So how's the running game going to be? The line should make it good, but is there a back who's going to, in Kyle Winningham's words, run violently and just – Pretty reliable. Be able to get four or five yards behind that O line.
5: I think at this point we believe there's a couple guys, maybe three guys, that can do that. And so I, my, my guess is, leading into the first two, two maybe three games of the season, we'll have a we'll have a running back by committee, which isn't my favorite thing, but, but. If you have some really talented guys and every, you know you, you have to give everyone a shot, it's just really difficult to to manage that in practice and then and then figure out and name a starter in practice and then go with that guy without testing everybody else so um, I, I i I just think that we'll go into the season, um, we'll have two or three guys in the running back group, and then hopefully one of those guys will emerge. You know, Jamal Jamal Anderson who was, you know, one of the great running backs in, in Utah history, if you watched him practice, you would send him you would probably just send him over to the scout team and say, Hey, go, you know, go be our opponent this week because you're not helping us at all. And then and then on, you know, Saturday afternoons, then he was a superstar. So I think it's sometimes it's hard in, in practice to figure out which, which, is, which guy is going to be the guy until you get them under the, the lights on a Saturday.
2: Yeah, The way I look at Utah's running game is basically they talk about next man up. I'm not sure any position epitomizes next man up at, at Utah than running back. Who's going to be our next one thousand yard rusher? I mean, Boise State has had like uh, some phenomenal, phenomenal run of over ten years of a thousand yard rusher, whether it's Brumfield or whomever. I'm expecting the next dude to just take the ball and run with it, literally. And I kind of like saying that. I, I,
5: I, uh, I think that's. I think there's a lot of truth in that, and it's certainly a, a position group where Utah has has had significant focus on recruiting and And not only that, but but over the the Kyle Whittingham era, for better or for worse, it it's just been the foundation of the offense. I mean we, we everybody wants to talk about the quarterback and what the quarterback is going to do and but but the the foundation of that offensive group for the entirety of coach Whittingham's career has just been the the running game. And so you recruit to that and you build around that. And the result is where Utah is today, where, like you said, it kind of feels like, you know, insert the guy here and, and, and get 1,000 yards from that position group.
2: Yeah.
0: So the schedule is out. Oregon State's the crossover game. There are two Friday games on the road, which a lot has been made about, you know, how fair that is to the road team, blah, blah, blah. You take all that into account, and you expect – 4-2, 5-1, 6-0? What are you thinking?
5: Oh, uh, well, I think there's a chance that they go undefeated. I mean, I, I, there, there are years when I've looked at the with Utah football team and I thought, well, undefeated is going to be really, really unreasonable. But I think it's reasonable. I think it's reasonable this year. I think there's some key – and in the crossover game, you know, I mean, that that's just – I think that's a great draw for, with Oregon State. So, um I I I think the talent in the South right now resides obviously at USC. There's always talent at USC, but I I just as much as I like Clay Helton, I don't know that he maximizes the talent he has available. Because if he did, I think those guys would just run through everybody. But so but I think the talent is hard to overcome at USC, and I I just have this weird thing with Arizona State, like I. It's a, it's is that pick, I'm picking those guys in my top three. I, in fact, I may put them in the top in the South with USC and Utah as the three. And so I think that's where, where Utah, if they have struggles, that's where I would see them having struggles. USC and Arizona State. I think they can get through everybody else. So you know, an undefeated season is is very possible. A one loss season is more likely. And I think maybe a two-loss season might be, you know, you might think that's a little on the verge of being disappointing. But, um, but I think anything worse than a two-loss season is kind of disastrous.
2: So we've seen, obviously, no fans in the stadiums at BYU. They're boogieing at the drop of a hat, Kalani's dancing and whatnot. And I know at Utah, you know, they had the crazy lady. I'm advocating that the start of the third or fourth quarter, whenever it is, Kyle becomes the crazy man, and he starts dancing on the sidelines to get his ball club fired up for the fourth quarter. What do you think of that?
5: I I typically agree with lots of your ideas, and I will (laughs) – I'm going to go hard pass on, on Coach Whittingham d- dancing. Not just because I think it, it, it's not his um, – his pers- like, that doesn't fit his personality at all. And Which you know makes it even well better, yes. You don't know – you know him as well as anybody else. But I think this, <laughs> this thing that he's built – this thing that he's built up, you know, this kind of, uh, you know, the, the, the stiff – the you know commander on the sideline in control of everything that's happening, and uh, it's all I an think act. all of that, all of that could be destroyed in the ma- in
2: a matter of seconds <laughs> if Coach Whittingham starts doing the running man on the sideline. Well, how about you know they start over the loudspeaker for home games? They play the intro to Saturday Night Fever, and Kyle's just strutting down the sideline.
5: I think the best thing I could see Coach Whittingham doing is, you know, to just st- to have that music start playing and to have this whole thing worked up and have him step out a few yards onto the field and then just to stand there with his arms crossed. That's it. Just stand and <laughs> listen. That would be his halftime entertainment. That seems that seems much more in line with his personality.
2: Okay. <laughs>
0: Frank, as <laughs> always, we appreciate a few minutes, especially on Kyle's dance moves or lack thereof or need for whatever.
5: It's twenty one nothing. In,
0: it's twenty one nothing and Kyle Whittingham's doing the sprinkler. Okay, that's great. <laughs>
5: yeah. I would pay to see a dance off between Coach Whittingham and PK. I'm up for it. Oh wow. Pay per view. You,
2: you schedule the time and place <laughs> And I'll bring my gold chains, I'll highlight my dark chest hairs, and we'll be ready to go. Put it on the Pac-12 I network pay,
0: so a lot of people don't have to watch it.
5: I'd pay to see that. Are you going to go, like, 70s dance music, oh, yeah. or are you going to go, like, yeah. hip-hop?
0: No, 70s. I
2: I think I might go low, 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 low. I don't know. Wherever, wherever, my, my philosophy is always go where the music takes me.
5: <laughs> well... You know what? That is a great life philosophy. <laughs> you just go where the music takes you. <laughs> Man, you guys are the best. It's great to catch up with you.
0: Good to hear from you, Frank. We'll talk to you more as the season kicks off. Thanks a lot.
5: All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you.
0: Frank Dolce, former Utah quarterback, longtime broadcaster, right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to what welcome in Dr. Matt Williams from the Pulse Medical Clinic. Doctor, good morning. Hey DJ
4: Hey, good morning, DJ. How are you?
0: Doing well. Doing well. Good. So you're good. here to talk about free consultations with medical doctors at the Pulse Medical Clinic.
4: I sure, I sure am, yeah. And hey DJ, you know, one thing I want to tell you that, you know, that I've learned, and I'm sure you learned as a man too, you know, in our relationships is, you know, the women, they kind of beat around the bush. They won't tell you what they want. Um, they won't even say it. They'll say, you know what? I don't want it. I don't need sex. I'm okay. But you know what? Um, things can go on for years, you know, but they really want it. They want the plumbing. They want the house. They want the thing, you know, that's one thing, you know, it's a guy's responsibility to go ahead, you know, get his ED corrected or fixed, not only for himself, but that's the first step to take to actually heal your relationship. It's a significant part, you know, of the relationship with a woman.
0: Pulse Medical Clinic, 850 East, 9400 South in Sandy. And so uh, are people going to be familiar with uh, with uh, the work you do, acoustic wave therapy and that?
4: Of what to do, yeah. Um, yeah, come on in, you know, get a free consultation. Um, you know, we'll do a blood flow analysis. Me with me, you know, the doc. Um, uh, we have a lot of payment options for patients as low as $100 a month. Um You know, we'll work with you. That's the difference between us and other clinics. We're a smaller clinic, um, which means there's, you know, no wait times. Uh, We'll get you in and out. We'll work with you closely until you get a result. We pride ourselves in getting our patients uh, very good results. You know, our overhead is less, so our costs are going to be a little bit lower. You know, DJ, acoustic wave therapy is the only thing that changes a guy's anatomy. You take a pill, you take it, it wears off, and that's it. But here we break up your plaque. We create new blood vessel growth. We work on those nerves so you get a good spontaneous erection. We'll get your sex life back. Come on in. We'll work with you until you get a good result.
0: Dr. Matt Williams, Pulse Medical Clinic. You can call him at 801-509-8888. 801-509-8888. Thanks, Doc. Thanks, Doc.
3: Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go. We'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. The
0: Northern Utah High School Player of the Week Award is presented by John Watson Chevrolet and Ogden and honors the top prep athletes each week during the high school football season here on 97.5. 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our winner this week is Jake Lindsay, starting quarterback at Weber High. He led the Warriors to a 32-26 win over Davis in a clash of Region 1 contenders. 16 of 24 passing for 276 yards and three touchdowns. He ran for 105 yards, including a 12-yard touchdown run with 236 to go in the fourth quarter to win the game. Weber 6-1 on the season, all alone in second place with a 5-1 record in Region 1. Make sure to stop by and check out the selection of new and used cars at John Watson Chevrolet, 3535 Wall Avenue in Ogden. Proud sponsor of the John Watson Northern Utah Player of the Week Award. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So, we just talked with Dylan Cawley yeah, and then uh, with uh, Frank Dolce, and uh, people... <laughs> Have been active on Twitter. After listening to that, you've motivated them, PK. You've uh Steve says, no wonder the BYU quarterback is so good. He's a Zach Wilson, Jack Wilson Terrier. See what he did there?
2: Mm, that's rough. Thank you. See what I did there? I did. What did you think of the interviews, DJ? Now don't beat around the bush. Tell me exactly <laughs> what you think. <laughs> uh, 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 uh,
0: uh. Uh, I was surprised that Frank Love Dolce. Me two
2: times, baby.
0: I was surprised that Frank Dolce didn't think Bentley was going to be the starter because I think Bentley's going to be the starter. I thought that was pretty once clear.
2: for tomorrow, one just for today.
0: <laughs> Should we just go to break and let you regroup emotionally? Because
2: <laughs> you're surprised. That was rough. Uh, I'm I'm not surprised. You're not, that, that Frank doesn't think it's Bentley? I don't think he said, he said he's leaning. I I mean, that's, he's not making a definitive statement. I don't think he made a definitive, definitive statement at all. Leaning, what are we, uh, Tuesday, uh, three, four days before the start of practice, leaning for somebody who's been in the program for going on two years versus somebody who just got here the other day relative to no practices because, I mean, he's, I realize he's been here since the spring, but they haven't had any. They just had, what, two three? or three spring, uh, practices, three spring and,
0: practices? And yeah. the way they
2: go through the acclimation period, that's just like playing catch the first couple days. <laughs> so <clears throat> I think it might be different if the young man had been in the program as long as Rising has been in the program. So just – and the thing about Rising, we don't know a lot about him because he just hasn't been out on the field. But I can recall going to interview him after Bentley came aboard and it was announced and maybe he was putting on a front because i don't i i I don't know the young man at all i don't know his characteristics i don't know his personality you know when you get to be the starting quarterback for two three years like a tyler huntley like a travis wilson you get to know them you get to know how they're going to answer i mean you may not know them personally but you know how they're going to respond to your questions and all because you're around them a lot well that's not the case with rising so i can't say it but just based off the initial Uh, conversation when I asked him hey what do you think about this he just had a quiet confidence about him like fine all right well yeah I didn't expect that I was just going to roll in here and be the starter and they were going to gift me something and it was going to be mine just because I decided to show up and so he was looking forward to the level of competition what does that mean I'm not really sure because a I don't know him haven't seen him when the lights are on and all that stuff. So I can't say any of that. But I feel like he's prepared to compete for the job. So if he ends up being the starter, that wouldn't surprise me. No. Not I think at all. the thing
0: he has going for him is watching Texas play the last couple of weeks. Ellinger's made a lot of plays. Now, he's got some pretty good receivers to work with, too. Let's not overlook that. But, you know, they've moved up and down the field. They've been in situations where they were going to throw the ball. Everybody knew they were going to throw the ball. It was obvious they had to throw the ball in the final three minutes of the game. And he looked pretty good. So it's possible that uh, even if you kind of cast an at a transfer and think, well, why didn't you win the job well, at I'm the last school? The number
2: well, one pick of the draft was a
0: transfer last year. <laughs> right? It's getting more common. And I think the schools that, um, you know, some of the high end schools can bring in multiple good quarterbacks and they pick one and the other guys just want to play and go somewhere. So I don't think you have to, uh, I don't know, judge them too harshly for the I'm transfer or anything like that. Yeah. You see how well Ellinger's playing, and you think, well, he could be pretty good and just been beaten out by another guy who's really good, too. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, the zone.